Randy, I got a question for you. So you said you really love worship. Do you ever wish you could like lead worship? Would that be kind of cool? Yeah. Come here. <clears throat> All right. Since you're leaving, I'm going to give you a shot. <clears throat> Will, where's Will? Come on, Will. All right. So Randy, we're going to get you the guitar here. And uh, Will's going to set you up. And we're going to give you a chance. You ever played the guitar before? The bass. That's a, that's a good start. Here you go. All right. So go ahead and turn around. <laughs> All right, so if you were just going to go for it and just play us a, a worship song, give it a shot. <laughs> do you think you could do it? I want to, but it's not there. It's not there? <laughs> can, you, uh, can you strum a couple chords for us? Yes! <laughs> All right, thanks, Randy. Oh. Also, can I, how many of you guys, when you're watching, would love just to be able to worship with music? How many of you guys would love to be able to do that, right? I, I don't know, for me, I actually grew up in a musical family. My mom was a piano teacher, so I had to learn piano, all that kind of stuff. But I never got to the point. I used to sing, I can sing, but I never have been able to play something. But man, when I watch our band up here and guys who can just take that guitar and are free just to go for it, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to do that? Well, here, oh, all right. So, so here's what's true about every one of us in this room. Every one of us actually has within us as a human, the ability to do that, okay? If you have arms and you got fingers and you can actually learn to play the guitar. The natural ability is there, but you know what you have to do. You actually have to try it. <laughs> never play guitar before in your life. That was pretty good then for never playing the guitar before. But, you, but we know this, you have to exercise it and you have to practice it, okay? So we're in this series called Unstuck. We're trying to figure out kind of with the new year, and we started off the whole uh, series talking about why we're stuck and the fact that there's not a human being alive who's completely free and completely living the full life. So sometimes we're stuck with different vices that we have. Some of us have relational patterns that have really hindered our relationships. And some of us have been stuck in our faith for a while, all right? So the first message, we talk about why. Why, why do we actually get stuck in these things that are opposing God? And we found in scripture, the scripture just tells us, well, because you feed the sin that's inside of you, okay? There's this thing called the flesh, we're gonna hit it again, that's actually inside of us and it desires things that are opposite of God. And if you feed that, then you get stuck. And then we also said the other way we get stuck is because we cope with the sin that's been done to us. And there are wounds and there are things that are painful in our lives and so we do these other things that feel good to cover them up. And then those behaviors eventually become ways that we're stuck. So we actually have some resources, you guys, and I apologize for not mentioning this initially. But this book, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, we just went through this as a staff. And if you are interested in a kind of a good, a really good overarching view 
of how to get unstuck and how to live a life to the full. This is a great book. And by the way, it's also very, it's a very easy read. He's a, he's a great author. He's very entertaining to read, Live No Lies. Okay, so we do have some copies uh, as well out in the lobby, but I know Amazon too, just but pick it up. So that's one book I wanted to make you aware of, Live No Lies. All right, so then last week, Mike talked to us about the fact that there is a power to get unstuck and we don't have it. So we don't actually possess the ability, but Jesus Christ does, and he's given it to us, okay? So when it comes, and so this is what's interesting. Physically, every human has the ability to actually play the guitar if you wanted to pay, you know, pay the price and practice and be able to do it. When it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our soul, when it comes to our heart and the essence of who we are, we actually possess everything we need. Just like you have physical ability to play something, Jesus has given you the spiritual ability. When you put your faith in Christ, he says, I come, Jesus, because he's the only one who actually has this power. And he says, I come and I dwell with inside you and your spirit and mind become one. You have Jesus Christ in you. And then he fills you with his spirit. And he said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we have everything we need, okay? First off, you're actually created. The reason we're on this planet is to be in union with God. So the very purpose of your being, like we have these guitars and these keyboards and these drums, they were created for a purpose and it was for music You were created, I was created for the purpose of actually being one with God so we could live and bring his kingdom to earth. So so we we can sit there and go, well, should we really be able to do this? It's like, well, it's what you're created for first. And then Ephesians 1.3 says, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many? (laughs) Come on. That verse just blows me away. Every one of them, you already possess. You have everything you need. And then 2 Peter 1.3 says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Everything we need. So a couple other books for you. This one's my old copy. This is called The Spirit of the Disciplines. The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Now, just like Live No Lies is really easy to read, this is not, okay? I mean, if, but let me just tell you, if you need motivation, if you're one of these type of people who go, why, why do I need to, to enter and practice this? What, do, what is it? How can a human being actually function in fullness? This guy, he was actually a philosophy professor at USC. Brilliant, brilliant. This will tickle your brain, and help you to understand why as human beings, we have everything we need, but there are things that we must participate in to actually experience it, okay? Spirit of the Discipline by Dallas Willard. And then this book is called Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. I read this a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, completely changed my whole being, changed my mind. And what he says I put it in a nutshell, as Andrew Murray says, God is actually calling us to do things we can't do. He actually has called you to a holy life. Do you know that? 
You and I are called to live holy and we can't do it. And it was one of the most helpful books for me to understand if we, about why we need a power that's greater than ourselves. God created us to depend on him. That's why if you stop breathing, if you don't have air, you die. If you don't have food, you die. If you don't have water, you die. You are an incredibly dependent person physically. And spiritually, the only way we have life is through Christ. And this book, if you, if you have been a, I've been, what? I've been in ministry for 34 years when I read this thing, still trying to figure out how do I experience the fullness and the power of God? And this book helped me so much, okay? Now, this is one old dude, 18, late 1800s, I think. Let me see here. Yeah, 1828 to 1917, but you will love his stuff, okay? There you go. So these books are all available out there or you can get them online. So we've talked about why we're stuck. We've talked about the fact that there is a power to get unstuck. What I wanna share with you tonight are the practices, because here's the point. We need to practice certain things to be able to get unstuck. Now, when we talked about those things and we listed them in the first message, we all just realized, man, when you're stuck, it's frustrating. You get discouraged. You get, you're unfulfilled. It's exhausting and it's very heavy. When you are in behavior patterns that are not fulfilling for you, that's how you feel. So let me just read this verse. John Mark, Mark Comer did a great job unpacking this. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and 30. Very, very common verse, but listen to this. Then come to me, Jesus said. <laughs> then come to me if you're stuck. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let me just read the version from the message, okay? Now, I don't know about you guys. How many of you like the message, okay? All right. I was a little uh, like, well, the message, you know, I've studied my Greek and he doesn't really stick to it. And then, I, and then I read Eugene Peterson's biography and this guy was a Greek scholar to the nth degree. This guy knew way more than I will ever know, but he loved his people so much that he's like, but they won't read the Bible. So he literally translated the Greek into a language that made sense. Made me really respect the message a whole lot more. Listen to how he says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And here's what hit me <clears throat> as I was reading this. I've, I've, you've, if you've walked with Jesus at all, you know this verse and you're like, oh God, I'd love your rest, bring it. But what does he say? If you actually want this, then you need to learn from me. <laughs> learn from me. Get away with me. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it and keep company with me. So when you take on the yoke of Jesus, 
I've also heard that the yoke was actually a term used for the teachings of a rabbi. So in other words, so a disciple comes along and they say, well, I want to be like you, rabbi. Then he says, well, then take my yoke on you. What's he saying? Then do what I say, right? He's, here you go, here's the life I live and I'm going to teach you what it is and now you do it with me. And that's what Jesus was saying here. Take my yoke on you, on you and then learn from me, okay? So here's what Dallas Willard had to say about this, this passage. He goes, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of loving our enemies and going the second mile and turning the other cheek and suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our lives just like everyone else around us does. (laughs) Because that is a strategy that's bound to fail. See, all the peace and all the joy and all the power of Christ is ours. How many spiritual blessings? Every one of them. Jesus Christ is literally living inside of us. But if we want that glorious life that Jesus lives, we've got to live the entirety of his life. And that's what this yoke is. So we want the results without the practice. <laughs> John Mark Comer in his book, he gives this hilarious example of when he had all these young guys that lived across the street from him. And he said, they must've worked for Nike because they were always wearing Nike garb, you know, and he's up in Portland. And then as he was watching them, they'd go out and run and the, he goes, they actually looked good in their spandex, which is one thing, which made him jealous. He goes, I'd love that. And then he'd watch them take off and they actually pranced, he said, more than run because they were just, he goes, they were, they were just amazing. And he'd sit there and he'd watch them and he'd be like, man, I want that life. And then he said, but then I did a cost analysis of what it would take for me to actually be able to do that. And he goes, no, I don't really want that life. And he says, that's what we do with Jesus. I'd love the freedom of Christ. I'd love to be a powerful witness. I'd love to be able to love everybody. I'd love to have peace and joy no matter what the circumstances are around me. I'd love to be able to trust him with the future of our building. I would love to be able to do that. Well, then there's some practices you have to do. Now, here's the thing. Our practice is fun. Our practice is fun. Bryson's, oh, well, it depends. And I agree. So my mom was a piano teacher. And you guys, I remember being like eight, nine years old. And I would sit on the piano bench and cry for a half hour. Because I had to practice for a half hour. So that's how I practiced. I just wept. (laughs) Till it was done. I hated it so much because all I wanted to do was be playing football. Now, was football practice fun? I loved it. And it was painful. They would make me puke, and I loved it. Why? Because I love football. Like, I remember one time coming out of the, I had to get my ankles taped, so I was one of the last ones coming out, and it was one of those Michigan rainy, you know, high 30s rainy day. And we had this puddle, you guys. It was like a pond, actually. It was, it was at least as half as big as this congregation, as this auditorium. And I looked out, and it was raining hard, and it was wet, and all the guys were like this, and they were all cuddled up, and everybody was, 
And I'm like, going. So I just took off and I ran as fast as I could. And right when I got in front of him, I just did a total swan dive into that thing and just splashed mud and water all over him. And then we just grabbed each other. We threw each other in the lake and it's like, man, let's practice. Now, but here's the other thing about practicing. You're never good when you start. You're never good when you start. I remember when I learned how to ride a bike, you know, and it was just like, and I remember I needed to learn how to ride a bike because I went over to Howard Benton's house and Howard could ride and I couldn't. And if I was going to hang out with that kid, I needed to learn how to ride a bike. So I came home and I let, you know, you know, so I'm wobbling all over the place. And the second day, my sister, we had a long driveway and then a, a hill went down at the end. And then there was a swamp for those of us who live in Michigan on the other end. So I'm like, okay, here we go. And she pushes me and I go down the hill and I hadn't learned how to use brakes. <laughs> and this was right before kindergarten. And I went flying right across the road and kaploosh right in the swamp. When you start a practice, you're very rarely going to be any good at it. Okay? So there are three battles. When I thought about how do we, how do, we do these practices, there are three battlefields within the world, okay? Look at them, Ephesians 2, one through threes. There's the flesh, which we've talked about. There's the world, and there's the devil. In Ephesians 2, one through three, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, you were stuck. Because when you're dead, what can you do? What can you do? Nothing. <laughs> you have no spiritual power. You're totally dead. And then he explains why. He goes, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you did, number one, you followed the ways of the world. Number two, you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them one time. Number three, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. See that? There's three things you follow. Your flesh, the ways of the world, and the spirit who is the devil who's at work against us. So when I thought about this, I'm like, okay, tonight what I want to share with you, and I have to do this super briefly, but I want to just give you a taste of three practices that fit in one, for, one to battle each one of these. One that helps us battle our flesh, one that helps us battle the world, and one that helps us battle the enemy, okay? So I'm only giving you three, so here's your other book, Okay. The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. This is actually another very easy read. And he goes through a list. He's got a list of, of disciplines. There's 13 of them in here, okay? And this is really great. And, and so you'll find ones that would be great for you. So Celebration of Dif Discipline by Richard Foster, okay? Now, okay. <sighs> Sorry. So here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, what do we got? 18 minutes. Okay, so in 18 minutes, I'm going to totally equip you with three practices, and it's going to change your life forever. As I studied, I realized there's no way I'm ever going to do that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually offer workshops on all three of these, okay? We're going to start on Wednesday the 1st here. Because as I went through these, I'm like, all I can do is tell you what they are. But these take work. 
You got to know how to do them. You got to be equipped to do them and you got to practice them, okay? So I'm just going to touch. So don't, don't be like, oh, you know, let me just give you the surface and share you what they are. And then if you're interested, we will have signups. We'll be putting some stuff out. I'll send out an email and we'll get ways for you can sign up. We're actually gonna uh, do dinner together at 6.30 till seven. And then we'll do from seven till 8.30. And we'll actually, we'll actually do the equipping, okay? About how you can actually win in these practices. All right, here's the first one. You beat the flesh by practicing fasting, okay? The practice of fasting. So the flesh, again, desires what is contrary to the spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter three, he talks about how people are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Oh, and by the way, this is when he says, at the end of the times, it's gonna be horrible, he says. And then he goes, people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, not lovers of the good, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Anybody ever been a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God? you bunch of liars. <laughs> Over here, people are like, come on, man. I battle this every week. You don't? Okay. Philippians 3.19, when Paul talked about this battle, he says their destiny is destruction, right? Remember we talked about that? If you sow to please the flesh, it leads to destruction. Okay. And he goes, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Oh, great. Anybody else got a God in there? <laughs> yes, whatever you say, <laughs> whatever you want. I mean, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. You guys, our mind is set on earthly things. Every day, all day long, our flesh desires what is contrary to God. How can we battle that? What practice can we put in place? Well, fasting is something that Jesus did. Obviously, we know that, right? He was fasting for 40 days when the enemy came. And, and, and he was hungry by the end. But the truth is, by the end, he was so spiritually strong. It's like, bring it. I have done 40-day fast, 30-day fast. I've done like five or six of them. It's unbelievable. By, without question, the most powerful thing I've ever done spiritually for my life. When I get done with that, anything that was bugging me, anything that was tempting me, anything that, you know what it says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles so you can run the race. I'm telling you what, man, fasting makes that stuff just go away. Why? Because you've said no to your flesh. Now, is, is eating sin? No. But it's this thing inside of you that just, that rules us, that you gotta have it, you gotta have it. And actually you can say no and you train yourself. So that is what fasting is, by the way. In the Greek, it means don't eat, okay? <laughs> say no to your stomach and to your natural desires, okay? It trains our bodies to not get what they want. For me, when I fast, I have this tiny little phrase that hits me when I get hungry. And all I say is, I want you more. I want you more. And that reminds me, why am I doing this? Because I want to be free and I want to know Jesus and I don't want my flesh to rule me anymore, okay? So Dallas Willard says, fasting confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. 
Fasting unto the Lord is therefore feasting. It's feasting on him and on doing his will. And so now here's what's interesting. Again, in John Mark Comer's book, uh, the, the, what's uh, the other one that we're reading? Oh, great, thanks. <laughs> um, oh, the ruthless elimination of hurry, okay? So he talks about this as well. And it's just, you guys, it's just true that fasting has always been, a, it was part of the life of Jesus. It was totally part of the Jewish culture. It was a part of the church and it's just not anymore, okay? So let me just real quick, practice fasting means no food. There's different types. You can do just water. You can do only liquids, okay? Or you can do Daniel, in the, right? In the Old Testament did a fast and he fasted from certain types of foods, okay? We'll get into all this stuff if you come to the fasting workshop, okay? But there, there are different ways to do this, but just make it about food, okay? Because some of us will say, man, I'm gonna fast social media. No, no, you're not. You're gonna self-deny, which is great. Like I, I was telling our team, one time God told me to actually stop being engaged with sports at all. Like, what? That was way far harder than not eating for 40 days. But it wasn't fasting. It doesn't mean that denying yourself of social media or Netflix or binging, whatever, isn't a good thing. You might need to do that. But fasting is food, okay? So there's different types. And then links, there's all different links. You can say, you know what, I'm gonna fast lunch. I'm just not gonna, I'm gonna fast a meal. You can fast a day. I found that you can fast three days and that's called hell, okay? <laughs> just, just so you don't go there and you're motivated. Seriously, I don't know why, most, everybody's different, but most people, the first three days are like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's really hard to fast for three days. I have found when I've done my extended ones, I get to day four and I'm like, all right, sweet. And Susie's always like laughing at me. She goes, this isn't even, it's not. It's, it's really weird. It actually gets easy if you go longer. The three-day one's the hardest one, okay? Or you can, you can try a month-long one or a 40-day like I have. And then you gotta really know what you're doing. I studied that a lot before I did that, okay? So Susie and I, because of this, this year, we've decided to go ahead and fast. And so every Monday, we're gonna do that. It's been three weeks and it's hard. I don't like it. I don't wanna do it, but I want him more. I want him more, all right? So maybe some of you would say, you know what? Yeah, my flesh, my stomach, uh, my, really what he's saying there is that your God is your stomach. It means your God is your desires. What do you want, that's what you do. If you're stuck because your flesh is desiring things that are inhibiting your life, then you may want to consider fasting when you come to that workshop. All right, here's the second one. We beat the world, all right, through serving. We actually practice serving. First John 2, 5, 15 and 16, this is New Living Translation. I like this because it kind of clarifies for us a little bit. This is the one where it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But here's how they say it. <clears throat> Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. That's one we just talked about. A craving for everything we see. So I actually, I actually had two here and I obviously won't have time. The other, when you crave everything you see, in other words, I just need more. I need more. I need more. You know what your, you know what your practice is for that? It's giving, it's generosity. 
That's how Jesus lived his life. That is the essence of our God. And I wanna tell you in America, everything's about accumulation and we need more and we need more and we need more. And the best way that you can put a practice in place is practice giving to God and to giving to those who are in need. All right, I can't get into that, but that's one I couldn't do. So the next thing is in the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the father, but are from the world. So how do we beat the world? How do you beat pride? Because you know what pride is, you guys? It's just self-absorption. It means I'm thinking about me. And I, you know, I just did some counseling last month. And one of the things I learned about pride is that's all it is. And sometimes it's superior pride, which it means you know, you're thinking about you and you look, everybody else is down, down here and you're judging them. But then there's also inferior pride. And that's where you think everybody else is better than you, but you're still thinking about who? You. So how do we get free from this pride, which as many people say is the very core and the essence of sin. Well, Matthew 20, Jesus said this, because same thing, don't you love, this is when you love the disciples, they're like, hey, who's the greatest, right? They're always like, I mean, it's almost, Jesus is almost ready to get on the cross and like, hey, so who's the greatest? I just can't imagine how he dealt with them. It's amazing. And here's where, you know, so then he says this, he talks about in the world, they lorded over everybody, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here's a question for you. So here's Jesus saying, man, are you weary? Are you heavy burdened? Are you tired? And are you burnt out? Come to me and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And what do we learn from him? Be a servant. The best thing for your soul would be if you would stop thinking about yourself and actually think about others. That's the way of Jesus. That's his practice. So you guys can do this, right? You can go home today and you can sit there and go, okay, how can I best serve my spouse? How can I best serve my kids? Kids, how could I best serve my parents? How can I best serve my roommates? Okay? And you just think through that. Make that a practice. Figure out what it is and then make that a practice. And as a church, how do I do that? Well, we gather here and you guys know this. The only way this happens is because people have served you today. And they've served you. They've, they've got here early. They made coffee. They set everything up. They're watching your kids. They practice all week for the band. They're back there in the booth, you know, and, and stuff. So the, the, it, because people are just serving. So one of the days, it's like, well, how can I practice? It's like, well, come with a mindset of what do I give to the body? Not just what do I receive, but what do I give? That's a practice where I'm going to give myself away. And that's the nature of God, okay? The food pantry. See Kevin back here, you know, who helps lead our outreach team? I'm gonna, I didn't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to be really vulnerable with you. I didn't want to go to the food pantry. I didn't. I didn't want to get up early and go on Saturday morning. So I did. And now I want to tell you, isn't it true, Susan? My favorite Saturday by far is food pantry. See, what did it, what it do? It crushed, mom. what do I want to do? And what's important to me? And this is my Saturday. Well, now it's a work day, so that helps. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, but, but, but literally that became a practice initially that my soul wasn't all into. And now it's my favorite thing. 
What's Jesus say? Take my yoke and put it on you, Nelson. Learn from me and give your life away. And look what happens. Next thing you know, your soul's coming alive. Okay, so there you go. And then there's obviously all the spiritual gifts. We're gonna get into that. So if, if you are like, well, how do I serve in a way that's me and I'm wired, my identity and all that kind of stuff? Come to the workshop on that. Here's the last one. How do you beat the devil? By practicing wielding the truth. Jesus told us this. And it was interesting, I told Susie today, I was like, you know, because in, in the passage I read, it's the spirit of the air who's at work in those who are disobedient. But man, when, when in John 8, when Jesus, who kind of knows what's going on, talks to us about this spirit who's at work, he calls him the devil. And he says, he is a, he is a liar. Do you guys know the devil's a person, man, who's thinking strategically and he hates you. He is doing everything he can, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he's never, he's like Peter says, he's like a roaring lion looking to see whom he can devour. And so what does Jesus say? There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when Satan, when the devil came to Jesus and tried to tempt him and lied to him, what did Jesus do? Spoke scripture. That's always funny to me. I'm like, come on, man, you're the son of God. Can't you just say, like, you probably know everything. I think Jesus was modeling for us. No, the way that you defeat the enemy, the devil, and his lies is not what you think. What you think will just be ripped to shreds. But if you bring the word of God against him, there's the power to demolish the strongholds that are in your mind right now. The strongholds and the lies that you have about God, that he's not good, that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care, that he's not trustworthy. The lies about you, that you're not valuable, that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, that the sin you've done is too bad. Lies from the pit of hell, absolutely. The lies you're believing about other people, you've got judgments in your mind about other people. And most of those come from Satan himself, who's putting thoughts inside your brain about others and you're elevating yourself and you're putting them down in their judgments because all he wants to do is divide. The whole purpose of Christ is to unify every single one of us and all the enemy wants to do is divide us and we buy his lies. So how do we beat him? Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You and I can sit there and go, well, what do we think? Let's get together and figure out what's true. Good luck. The word of God is the only thing that can go right into the depths of your being and divide for you and help you to know, this is your thought, this is my thought. Here's the truth, that's your opinion, here's my truth. Here's the lie. And here's the truth. You got to have the word of God. It is, and then when, in the spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, what's he called the word of God? The sword of the spirit. So if you don't know the word of God at all, it's like the spirit who does live inside of you. And he's like, where's that sword? But when you put it in you and you read it and you know it, it's there. And then the spirit can take it and bring it to your mind and use it as a sword to defeat 
the lies that are coming at you. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You guys, every destructive behavior, every destructive behavior you and I are in, everything that's causing us to be stuck is actually motivated by, there's a motive, there's something that moves you to do it. And you know what causes that movement? What you think. The thoughts that you have move you and you act. There's not an action you do that doesn't start with what you think. And then the truth is, and then it gets really deep. And every thought you have is triggered by what you actually believe. And that's where our battle lies. The fight is the fight of faith. What do we believe? So this one, man, this is the one I cannot wait to do a workshop on, okay? Number one, because you gotta learn. That's why you're here. That's why we do this. That's why there's podcasts. By the way, if you don't like our teaching, that's great. Do you guys know the best teachers in the world are right at your fingertips? Oh my gosh, I listen to the best knowledgeable teachers in the world. Any knowledge you need, the content is ridiculous these days. So learn it. Get in your life together groups and learn and listen to your podcast. Those are great. But then what you've got to learn is sitting, I've been sitting, sitting every morning with the living word of God and the spirit speaking directly to you through his word. Oh, you guys, when I started reading the Bible, I didn't like it. Anybody else not like reading the Bible? Don't raise your hands. Oh, Bryson, okay, good. Just the guys on staff. So, no, I'm serious. Like, it was so hard for me. And then I, but I should, because I'm a Christian. You know, and then three months go by and I'm like, oh, I'll try again. I, it, this was like riding a bike into the swamp for me for the longest time. But I wanted to know him. And so I worked at it and it literally took me years to do it. And finally, the practicing became something that I can do. And I want to tell you, man, when you start hearing not what I think or Tim Keller thinks or John Mark Comer thinks, but when you start hearing what God thinks and he speaks to you through his word, you're going to get hungry. You're going to want to spend time with him. I cannot wait to try to help you in this workshop to know how to hear from God through scripture. This is, he never gave us the word so we could get smart and have intellectual knowledge. We need that. He gave us the words so we'd be in relationship with him. And we need to figure out how to read it that way. All right, and then the last thing is then the last practice is we need to learn how to replace lies with truth. And this is what I realized. I'm having my time with Jesus every morning for 35 years and then last year, I realized I'm believing stinking lies. And it's affecting you all. It's affecting my family, my friends, the staff. And here's what I realized. I need to learn actually how to take the lies, identify what they are. You got to do the work to figure out what the lies are. And then you have to go to the word of God because it's his truth that's going to replace it. You have to replace the lie with truths. And then you, do, you make these declarations and then you write them down and you think about them until you believe them until there's actually a change. And, and so this is the winning the war in your mind. We did a whole series on this, okay? But again, sometimes we do a whole series on it. It's like, well, that was nice. What's next? 
and nothing changes. Get this book, get this book and read it. It was the practices in it that actually began to set me free. And we'll go through this in our workshop as well, all right? How do I replace these lies that I've believed my whole life with God's truth, okay? All right, band, come on up. So here's, here's the question. I, I think we'll hit this more next week because uh, I, I just so wrestled with this. Like, you guys, is it worth it? Isn't it, is it worth it to spend time with Jesus every day? See, and here's what, here's what we're all Christian. If you're in here and you're following Christian, yes. Then why don't we do it? Okay, for me, that the God is my stomach, like, Health is something I know I need to do. Why don't I do it? What makes it worth it to fast, to serve, to do any of these things? Well, here's one thing that makes it worth it. Jesus says, if you do these things, you'll find rest for your soul. You'll find the life. You'll be free. But you got to live how I live. And you got to do the things I do. But here's the other thing I just thought, you know what the greatest motivation in the world is? It's love. It's love. Love's the greatest motivation. It's stronger than death. And so for me, what I've been working on, and I hopefully maybe we can talk about this more next week. God, do, do I really love you? It's so easy to say, I love God. I don't want to spend any time with him, but I love him. I don't want to walk with him and follow him, but I love him. And, that, and then I'm just going, man, Lord, and this was part of my, my issue. Like, I just need to know again and afresh that you're worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. You are worth me throwing off everything so I can run this race with you. So that's why we worship. And I thought about this. I think it's one of the best benefits that you guys give us when you lead us in worship is it goes to the deeper part of our being and when we really worship, it helps us to go, oh God, your love is so good. Your salvation is so good. Your grace is amazing. And we get drawn again to give our lives to him. And if we will do this, you guys, he's worthy. He's worthy of anything. Is he not worthy? I know you're gonna say yes, because he is. So let's worship him and let God stir our hearts as we do so that we'll walk out of here and go, you know what? I'll actually do the practices because I want my life to be beautiful. Like a beautifully, we're gonna listen to beautiful music because these guys practice and our lives are supposed to be beautiful music to the world because he's worth it, all right? Let's stand, let's do it.